In her time's in front, impending on the outside with 100 metres left to go. Lake clearly innocent, but it's impending reaching the lead near the line. And impending's won the strap broke from in her time and clearly Santa and Elaine is over on the inside and crack me up down the outside. Paras and Las Drama, Champagne Cuddles, the inside Santa and Elaine coming through. Santa and Elaine hit the front from Paras, Champagne Cuddles, Super Cash, crack me up. Santa and Elaine for the Trekkings raced up and gone to the lead. Tie zone down the outside for Endless Drama. Trekkings a length and a half in front. Tie zone tries, but Trekkings clear in the strap break. A length and a half in front. It's all trekking for the Blue Army. And Trekkings won the strap break. Madame Rouge has got the lead. There's a wall chasing. Nikonova's coming through. Tie zone the outside. Madame Rouge, tie zone. Nikonova, Vega one later as well. Tie zone. I reckon tie zone. The Tonga Tornado has got up and won the strap racket. And Tefane down the outside, Victorum runs home as well, but also Sapanen out deeper, Vega 1, Emerald Kingdom, Tefane's on the outside, Tefane, Vega 1, Tefane, Vega 1 from Sapanen, Tefane, Vega 1, flashing light, Mr Quickie, but Tefane, Tefane's won the strap run. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for getting our year-round carnival preview podcast audio courtesy of Sky Racing there. Some of the recent winners and Vince Accardi from dailysexuals.com.au. Good morning, mate. You've done the form. We're into it. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's a fantastic. The form is always a great thing to do. Mate, We're and we've got... What what is a great thing to do? Unlike the torture we put ourselves through in Sydney, why do we do that? We've got clean ground. Well, it's all part of the journey of life, isn't it? Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Who says you ever stop learning? Well, no, maybe even after you die, you still learn. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Now, yep. uh, the rail out just a couple more meters. Uh, rail out four meters. What's your what's your historical data say on uh, what how we expect this track to play? On the, on the technicals, you do get some advantage being on pace. Of yep. course, the the couple of caveats around that. Firstly, is on pace. If you could be three, four, five off the fence, probably a bit more of an enabler. And last but not all, the race speed does create some havoc. You can go fast, and depending on what the competition behind you is, they may not be able to get to you because everybody's tanked out when you've got the, the fastest part of the track. So you can be there. Probably the most dangerous place for the on-pace runners is, is if you're in a tempo that's probably even speed, slightly above, because those back markers definitely get a chance because they're a high probability of getting into the lanes and they buy that two or three lengths and still have plenty of energy. So it's one of those things. If you go super slow and you've got a, a big sprint, this is all about the race shape understanding. Then on pace is probably golden 
But then you have to be very clear that you know that your runner has an explosive 400-meter sprint. Then slow paces, like, that's probably the biggest gold. Well, in this case, I suppose, in, in general, if you close your eyes and say, what does a Stradbroke look like? It looks like mad speed up front and uh, a horse come, coming and being able to sling out into the middle of the track. Those fast lanes you talk about is a typical type of winner. But uh, you always break down each race as its own individual challenge. With this race tomorrow, we're recording this uh, 10 past 6 Friday morning. Of course, we'll give you the update tomorrow if there's any changes to our thoughts now. But uh, what type of race shape are you expecting here in the Stradbroker 2022? I've marked it as fast. Yep. And the reasons around that is Apache Cat's definitely a go-forward horse. Apache Chase. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure, right? It's just, it's just so ominous that we're going to be in that scenario that this horse – I just cannot see how it's going to go slow. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be fast. Whether it's going to lead or not is a different story because this is there's it's a high degree of pace because Rothfire is fast. I know it took the sit last start, but this 1,400 metres, hopefully the horse is at its absolute top. Therefore, there should be plenty of speed. You, you look at what this horse has done as a lead-in as well in terms of pace, analytics, everything sort of points that you have a look. First up, it was two lengths above. Then it went benchmark. Then it went plus one. You go through the historicals. Even though I don't believe it's no longer the same horse, it's impossible for this horse to go less than plus two, realistically, especially up to this distance. So that's the bottom line. Plus two is the low. Emerald Kingdom's another horse that's generally a go-forward horse. It's got good speed. It loves to race around that two to four lengths above IVR benchmark. Buffalo River is another fast horse, even though it's better suited on, on wet tracks. The reality is, even in this scenario, it's probably the anchor to guarantee you a, a sort of bottom speed, and that's going to be about plus two, right? So along with a couple of other horses like Bandersnatch, being another horse that's probably just going to create heat. I've pinned it plus two, plus three on the low. Could be going plus six, Ralphie. So under that scenario, through my time working with you, that tells you that you just want to be in that golden spot, three to six lengths off the lead. Is this how you've assessed tomorrow? Yep. Three to six is the great spot, eight probably maximum. And out of the on-pace runners, because the way I've broken it down is into two divisions. Yep. Who's the, who's the best of the on-pace runners? Because that helps me to bring clarity about who I can uh, remove because there's some good horses in the speed battle. And the reality is all I could be left with was Apache Catch from the uh, lead pack. And then it's about, okay, who's in the mid? And is there any possibilities someone from well back is, you know, potentially threatening? And I sort of pinned that the real back markers that are potentially going to be outside of that eight-length zone, particularly if they're, if they're within six, I could probably half entertain them. But if they're eight, eight, 10, 12, I want to be away from them. So it's left me with best on paces and who are going to be the most likely horses to be in the golden spot. All right. There's a, what's, what's unique about this race? Normally, there's a bunch of mixed form lines. In this case, it's probably not 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 happening tomorrow with the uh, with the Stradbroke. We've got a bunch of them from Apache Chasers win in the Kingsford uh, Smith Cup. You got the BRC Sprint, which was a really fast race. Blanket finish. Soxagon just beat Alligator Blood. And on the same day, from the Fred Best, you had Valana and well uh, Star Tontes, who was probably out of play, but they're the two mares there. And on top of all that, 
then you, the only other form line is the different form of Everton, who probably, I think since today we stabbed him on Boxing Day 2020, we thought Stradbroke's his race. The, the price Kent Camp thought, we'll have a crack at going a bit further. 1,800, heavy track, the wheels are spinning. So then they pulled the pin and said, right, let's target the Stradbroke. So uh, that's that's been the, uh, the go-round there, but that, there's the three major form lines there. So let's start with the most advantage. Alligator Blood just picked off last start. And from an IVR perspective, even though one was Group 3, one was Group 1, the Brisbane Sprint was the faster race on the day. Yeah, and it was a solid run by this horse as well, Ralphie. All sections were above benchmark. That's a sign that the stable have this horse like firing on all cylinders, and this is when you want to be firing. So to produce what it did first up, off a long break, the, the question, of course, is now on the bounce 14 days later, that's... Historically, the big key is, is there any chance that this horse could emulate what it did back in 2020? And that's really the big caveat. It turned up three quarters of a length below that profile. But if I make assessments on first up point of view, the horse is giving all the signals that it's going to potentially be better than ever. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, so if this is the case, and the way it finished with the, the – you know, the, also a little bit of a, uh, a slowdown all the way from the 600-metre mark all the way to the 200 metres. The horse lost around two lengths and then sort of had that bit of a rebound. It wasn't wasn't anything fancy, but it was, it was a good rebound. Now, we know this horse here does have strong capacity for execution of 400-metre sprint. Now, we didn't see it in the first up run. The reality is a big possibility we're going to see it second up if it can recover from the bounce. So it's going to get back down to the to the to the stable. But I've seen this horse run a benchmark and be able to deliver about around that plus five last four hundred. So what I, why I'm articulating the benchmark situation is because it's a benchmark plus one horse for perfect comfort zone. If they're going maximum speed around that plus six, even if it's plus seven, this horse automatically slots inside the eight-length zone and more likely to be five or six. So if they go absolutely crazy and they're going plus eight, the horse is going to still be inside the elastic band of eight. It's probably going to be seven lengths off them. Of course, if they try and overextend for a better position, that'll be a dangerous situation for the horse. So... I've marked it on top at the moment with a plus 3.7. The caveat is this. On the bounce, are we going to still have the signal going up? The data's indicating this horse is potentially racing a length better than 2020 profile. So that was his phenomenal profile when he won the Gold Coast uh, Magic Millions for three-year-olds. He came to Melbourne, won the Australian Guineas, and then he backed it up winning the All-Star Mile. And of note, when he won those two Flemington uh, features, he led throughout. But what you're saying is his natural profile, and they've now got the template Waterhouse bot from last start, just coming across because there was no pressure on him. He was $16 for Tim Clark. Just see how he, how he goes. And all he has to do is pretty much repeat the same tactics because there's going to be so much heat inside of him. He should be able to get that perfect slot in run. For sure, Ralphie. And of course, if it was the Waterhouse team of five years ago, I would have rubber stand and had total confidence that 3.7 is going to be the low. Right. Okay. <laughs> and there's also a case of finding out about the horse too. So yes. um, uh, that's that's the reality. He has missed time, but you're saying, let's just look at the data. Let's look at what he did on the day. He If he if he goes higher than that, uh, he, he's pretty much beat in the finish at $10. It is. And, then, and the other little 
caveat that I left out there was that Rose Hill trial leading into the Eagle Farm, that was a booming trial for that horse. Right, Absolutely. this is in February. Yeah, yeah, that was a booming trial. To, to give you – that they must have known. That. Now, to do that sort of trial off such a long time between runs, yep. they must have said, this horse is going superb. Let's back off on it. That's what my thoughts were. Right. And, and that horse can't run in Sydney – because of the uh, of the laws of um, uh, the the owner, and that's controversy for elsewhere. But that's just the fact. So if they say they, they probably tried to get him fit enough to run in the Sydney Carnival, and then because of the laws they couldn't, so they said, right, oh, we'll regroup, we'll set, we'll um, freshen up and go for the Stradbroke. So there's a real logic to say they had this horse up and going in in February. So yep. It's not like that run was out of nowhere. First up a fortnight ago is what you're saying. Yeah, and so this is where the bounce thing is you've got to give this consideration that generally speaking if you didn't see any of this sort of intel and the trial was like 20 days before the run and it was that type of performance or slightly inferior then you would say to yourself there's a big chance of a negative run but i'm sitting here feeling that the bounce could still be positive all right, most advantage. Yeah, well, let's go go to that order, and we get to Urton. So another horse from a wide barrier that you're saying is going to be advantage by speed and positioning. And again, uh, we've got a, a, another elite rider in Jamie Carr, and and this looks perfect for him. The Urton of his very best. He, he was always trending towards this type of race, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, all types of things have gone wrong, including a spider bite. But his first up win at Caulfield was dynamic. His legs went from under him in the uh, in in the Gold Coast uh, uh, race there behind Zaki. Since had a barrier trial, how do you assess his chances? Well, this is a, the other interesting runner in terms of a the profile of the horse and the criticalness of positioning running. Now, on on technicals, Jamie Carr's a negative. Right. So why do you say that? Well, <laughs> Jamie Carr's very, very dynamic about allowing the horse to roll and get into its comfort zone initially, and then allow you know the horse you know then she'll work out her tactics to build. And in many cases, that's an advantage for a, particularly a rider like Jamie Carr. But if they if Jamie does this and just allows the horse to roll out and behave like where it wants to be through that first four hundred metres, going to be too far back. And that's a negative. Right. And and if so if Jamie goes with that thought process in mind, because you've got to look at where you're drawn, right? Yep. And you've got to ask yourself, okay, am I going to hunt up or get back? So if she just allows the horse to be the horse, this horse is going to be 12, 15 off him. So the key is this. Is Jamie willing to do – I'm not saying what James McDonald did when it won back in June 21 – there went plus 5.4, but in the hunt position. So the reality is if she goes back and doesn't hunt up, that's the negative. And this is why I'm saying Jamie, just from her natural style, can be a negative. She's never, she's not always super aggressive when she has to be. It's just a matter of the tactics that she's been given, I guess, on the day is going to be the big thing. And hopefully the stable will be thinking with the understanding that, Going back is very bad. Now, of course, going forward, you got to take your, you, you got to take, you got to chance your arm because you don't want to be part of the lead speed. What you want to do is you want to roll and hold your position, and look for a slot. And sometimes in these big fields, you get caught. And if you do get caught, then you're in trouble as well, right? Yeah. The reality is, I still rather have that trouble than being last because if you last, you won't even get in the money. 
So you often call this the chessboard, and looking at this, uh, your early edition of race speed profiles, and again, we're, we're sitting on our coin. Yeah. <laughs> we're not steering a horse, but I would I would uh, assume that JB will say, well, two outside me is alligator blood. I'll get behind it. Bad move. So it'll be too far. It'll be just too far back if it tries to get. Want to be in front of it. Want to be in front of it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you want to be in front of it because what you've got to look at is they both got great sprints. Yep. And so you want to try and have an edge on the horse because, see, class-wise, see, it's not like you're going to go into the race and you've got a a tremendous advantage class-wise. They're very similar in class. So where's your advantage? Your that's the key. Where's your advantage? Alligator blood is. Tim Clark, what's he going to do from 21? Now, he, he's, he, his big possibility is just going to do one thing, out the back. Right. That's what I feel he's going to do. Now, coming from that stable, though, yes. so they're tacticians. <laughs> they're not going to give him that instruction. <laughs> they're going to say, press forward and find a position. They're not going to say, go to the back, because they know go to the back is death. They don't, they don't the waterhouse way. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they've got this horse fit and ready. They're not going to die one. They're not going to say, let's let's just cuddle the horse. No, this is the this is the race. We're here to win, and we've got to play to the game. So that's the key. So Ayrton, class-wise, I'm super confident that it's uh, top two or three when it comes to class, and therefore that's the reason why it deserves its position right at the top. We know that the stable's fantastic in getting their horses on point and ready to go for big races. We know that, right? Yeah. And it's just going to get down to, are they capable enough of producing the right tactics and are they willing to chance their arm that Jamie's going to find a slot? So if they give her the instructions, go forward and find a position, not part of the lead pack, that second group, and slot in, and then you know the race is there for them. He won on this day last year in the mile for the uh, three-year-olds. If he brought that to the table tomorrow, what happens? That that level of performance. Well, of course, a mile's another a step up in terms of distance and probably makes life a bit easier. But if it did that, then we'd pretty much be looking at victory. Right. So plus 4.3 above benchmark that day. And he was third up that day. So he's third up tomorrow. Anything, any intel from the trial or was it just a bowl around? No, it was just a just a bowl around. I, yeah. I didn't uh, get anything positive out of that. So what we do know about the horse is he's got the class to win if he's right. His 2.5 first up at Caulfield was tremendous. So if you eliminate the Gold Coast and do a, do a line towards it where he can, can get to, it comes down to, uh, as you said, position running tactics. If they get that right, he's going to take a power of beating Apache Chase. Well, speaking of this time last year, uh, uh, Ayrton was beaten at twos on. At Eagle Farm, we thought, how did he manage to get beaten? Well, the horse who beat him was Apache Chase, and it's become very real form. He's just a beauty, this horse, Vince, and uh, you cheated him home last start in the Group 1 level at tremendous odds. Yeah, and the reality is when you look at that profile, that rocky run was a, was brilliant for the horse because that was high pressure in terms of sustained speed. They had a little bit of a dip between the 8 and the 400 was probably more specific, really, between the eight and the six, and then it was all pressure again. Horse did superbly, and then turned up and realistically, a- actually out outdid itself. Like went that half length faster than first up, which is so hard to do because I felt that the horse might have been just slightly flat. Yep, and the finish sort of indicated that as well. You won't have that weakening 
in this race coming up. It's all of, and Apache can sit like it's going to be going forward, and if it's really hot, Burns very very good. Like he he's a master of this track. He's absolutely one of the top riders in Queensland, and he knows his backyard very well, and he understands this horse, and he he could quite easily just sit if they're going too fast. The challenge is if he doesn't and he gets overexcited and he forgets and gets lost in the moment, then he'll be the first horse they're going to go past. But he should 100%. And if he's leading, he could be leading with a comfort zone. And what I mean by comfort zone, you have a look at this horse's profile. It's a genuine plus five to plus seven horse early speed capability. So... There's not going to be any speed up front that this horse can't handle unless we go to plus eight. Now, that's when the horse got rolled over in that very last run in June. I think it was 12th of June, 21, 1,400 metres. The horse was asked to go 8.8. That's too fast. Yeah, that was this race last year. So (laughs) So if they do that, good night. And I don't feel they will. Yeah, so you're pretty much saying the the, uh, the what what Craig Williams did last year in the, in this race plus six above benchmark, but he was he was off that he was stalking the speed. That's the type of uh, uh, right position tomorrow again. If you yep. can just get off that 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 complete murder speed up front, you're you're right in the race. You're 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 the one you're going to have to beat over the last two hundred meters. Double figures, law of indices, and you've got him fourth most advantage. Um, well, there's a, there's a bit of a profile for many Sydney run, uh, sorry, Queensland runners here. It's get away from those those bottomless tracks, and then produce an okay run, and then what can you do? So you're saying it's it's run was acceptable last start, and it can elevate further. Yeah. Now, the, of course, you look at this horse on this campaign. It doesn't doesn't read real well. Majority of races below benchmark, but we know why, right? Yep. You just got to go back to October last year. Golden that's Eagle. The, yeah, that's the that's the insight, right? Two point eight, ninth best of the day. Did it get the perfect race shape that day? My view is possibly not because of what happened in the mid race for the horse. So it didn't get the absolute best opportunity for maximum efficiency. And mind you, in many of the races. Most horses never get the maximum efficiency, so you've got to be able to come adversity. But what it indicated to me was this. Number one, from a class point of view, if I look at that run of plus 2.8, that has you around half length to a length off what's fully exposed in terms of profile of horses that are sitting above it. But there's also this possibility that this particular horse, we haven't seen the best of it yet, and the 2.8, is maybe on the underside. So when I look at the way I chart the horses, is I have this horse potentially a three and a half to four horse, and if it gets all the right things happening in a race, and the first thing that it has to have is a good track. It's going to get that. The 1,400 metres is absolutely ideal for this horse. It's got the right rider on board, so they're not going to be uh, waiting, and the horse is going to be rock hard fit and even with that wet track profile which isn't uh, fabulous the reality is there's lots of hidden pointers there that are clearly showing how good the horse is and if you really want to bring confidence to yourself you go back to the very first up run and you look at what happened at 1200 meters Randwick, which is the last time this horse seen anything was decent in terms of track right yep 9.8 below benchmark first section 0.9 0.9 above between the 8 and the 4, and then almost 6 lengths above benchmark last 400. That's the sign about how well this horse was potentially going to go in the campaign. 
That was the best last 400 of the day that day. So it was a dead sprint. And, of course, the Golden Eagle run you talk about, that was its first Australian run at $31. So I'm sure they would have loved the $7.5 million, but there's every bit of logic to say that uh, second second local prep, Annabelle Nisham uh, getting to know the horse, that uh, that there's, there's still the best to come. So uh, exciting times there. Mid-teen odds is, is what you've outlined its case for. You round off your... Uh, most advantage, uh, as far as your early uh, thoughts is concerned, with Soxagon. He's just a beauty, this horse, when he's right, and he got the bob at the head last start over alligator blood. Yeah, you, you can't fault the horse. The horse is very, very capable of, firstly, high, high probability of being in the golden position. So that's a big advantage, drawn beautifully as well. So I give that a big plus. You could see the plus three last start, second best of the day, pretty much match what it did. Two preparations back, Ralphie, and we're talking about going all the way back to January two, 2021 at Eagle Farm over 1,400, where it did a 3.1 best of the day. So we, we know this horse is right on that form. Yeah, it's only had two runs. That campaign had had a handful of stars to get to that level. But what we have understood is, from what I can see, is a very lightly raced horse over the last two campaigns, and they are absolutely getting the best of it because this horse wants to be a racehorse, so it's it's airborne. So big respect needs to be given, and I'm not saying that it's the winner, but if there are errors made by other riders and Stewart gets everything right, which he should because he's got the golden run, then he's going to present himself at the right time and say, well, you know, who have I got, who have I got in front of me? Apache, can I run it down? Maybe. All right, well, favourite for the race is 11-11. You haven't mentioned it. I'm sure he's not far off considering uh, last start beaten uh, two, two noses by Apache Chase and, uh, and uh, Paul Lealy, oh, sorry, Apache Chase and Paul Lealy at Group 1 level. So you've made the case for Apache Chase. As I mentioned, though, on the day, the uh, the data was uh, inferior, the IVR uh, final figure from, from the BRC sprint. So 11-11, you've you missed out in your cut here. Uh, what's your reasoning and what's your thought process with 11-11, the favourite for this race? Wide open, of course, at 5.50. Yeah, absolutely. So the key really comes back down to is when I look at the horse from a class profile point of view, you, the only real – the first of the race you've got to look at is you've got to look at that Gold Coast run from last campaign and you've got to bring some confidence around it. it. was best of the day, beat Holyfield Apache Chase. So we know that that's solid profile with the 4.1. This campaign, it went first up, Scone. I felt that was a, a solid run, even though it didn't break benchmark, but it had the perfect blending shape. And then last start, Eagle Farm 1300 was asked to go three lengths faster through the first section. Did find a little bit in the mid and overall, last 400 was good, 2.9. So the reason why at this stage I don't have it there is it's going to be <sighs> – I'm looking at this horse and saying to myself, okay, where are you going to be from where you draw? What's Huey going to do? This horse doesn't have serious tactical speed. Now, if they choose to do what they did at the Gold Coast, now that horse was well back and was going plus three. And the, the horses in front of him caved in and gave this horse the opportunity. The comfort zone for this horse is generally minus two to minus five. So two lengths below to five lengths below. I look at that and say, okay, where do you, for you to be inside the golden spot, this race has to be run at benchmark. What's the chances of that happening? Not going to happen. If they go plus two, okay, you're still there. All right, let's say that's the speed. Two to four. You're slightly outside of it. Okay, Huey's got to 
push it up a little bit more to, to make sure the horse is engaged in the race, which he's a top rider. He's not going to just sit out the back either, right? So he's going to have the horse engaged. And then I look at, okay, the last part, it's a grinder. The f- Only one run where it was four lengths above benchmark sprint, you have to go all the way back to May 29 when the horse produced a plus four. That's its best sprint. So what it what that signifies is this. The horse is a grinder. It doesn't have an explosion on, on 400-meter sprints. So therefore, there are negatives around its capacity because it doesn't get the golden race shape. So if I'm surmising your thoughts about the horses, yes, he can win on class. Yes. Everything needs to go right race shape-wise, and 550 then means it's too short. Oh, they, they have dead set got that decimal point incorrect. <laughs> All right, let, let's uh, pick up the pace, uh, speaking of pace, and uh, don't just get your quick thoughts on a couple of these. Private Eye, I mean, his best Epsom run was, was serious. Uh, from Barrier 1, are you thinking that he's going to need a bit of a Linton-type miracle, given that the race shape is that the back markers could be really a disadvantage? Yeah, look, if he was able, able to find that phenomenal run, like what it did at Randwick over 1,600 metres, then class-wise it's there. But it's, a, it's an outlying scenario. It's a one-off situation, so... If you're rolling the dice on that, it's you're really looking for miracles. You're looking for a lot of things to go wrong with a lot of horses, and then you're possibly there. I just feel that it's it's just the intel indicating that you're still a little bit behind where yeah. you need to be. And it's if I look at it and say. I still need to see another run, and that's not good for a race like this. Uh, Isotope is a, is a mare that uh, we've always had a, had a bit of a good good feeling about. Uh, Gold Coast win was just sensational, and it was, it was real form, uh, you know, beating beating a away game amongst those that were were beaten. Of course, a, an Oakley Plate place getter. It's come off two heavy track runs, and then last art got too far back. Is it is it got a chance on its best? Well, this is the sort of horse that class-wise 3.2 above its its current PB. So you know it's got the capability of being there because we're looking for about a 3.4. But what we're asking the horse is, are we going to see a new PB up to the 1,400 metres? Is this all going to happen? It's got talent. I'm not going to say it's it, it can't happen. So anyone that's keen on the horse, I don't want to be the person to turn you off. But you've got to chance your arm and say, okay, that's what we're going to do. And I just unfortunately haven't seen the evidence. And we'll just round off with a couple of the fillies and mares down the bottom. Villana and Startontes. Villana won that race and Startontes was uh, was shorter than it in the market on that occasion. If they both bring their best, where do they fit on the grid? Yeah, I, I feel Startontes for me is the better of the two. And that's the outlier in the whole field. It is capable of being a big leaper. It's got a 3.1 PB. I've marked it down low at the moment in terms of position on the grid. Few factors, riders, one of those, even though all credit the riders in good form, so I shouldn't be too harsh. Uh, sorry, I was looking at Taylor Marshall was not in good form. My apology. I was thinking about Stephanie on Valana. Yep. She's in good form, but no, not in good form, the rider. And the reality is it is, it is a dark horse for me. If that won, I'd, I'd probably be kicking myself because I'm looking at it and saying, you got the potential. We don't, I don't believe everything's exposed with you, but wrong rider, wrong day, baby. All right. In summary, the uh, the, the Stradbroke, it seems like you, you've, you're gravitating mainly due to a good position in running from wide barriers. If they both get the tactics right, Alligator, Blood and Erton from Apache Chase, the best of the on-paces, and Law of Indices really got that smell about it that to, it gets its chance of a real peak Australian performance tomorrow. Absolutely. 
All right, well, um, we'll pick up the pace in the, the next three races. I'm only, I've only opened your race speed profiles as we started this. It was certainly with my work, it looked like there were some some thin races, which sometimes creates good punting opportunities. Let's start with that 1.2 million, fantastic prize money for the Sky Racing. It wasn't hard to be very impressed by both Werder and Maximal uh, in their lead-up lead runs in the Durban Cup when Zaki was uh, shocked the market being turned over. They were both very good. Well, Zaki was disappointed, they were both very good. I suppose my leading question to you is, is that, are they too far apart in the market given Maximal was first up and uh, and very good as well? And uh, now we, we come here tomorrow as we speak. Uh, you got Werder at around about $3 and Maximal twice that price at $6. Okay. No, well, I think they're both uh, probably, well, firstly, they're great prices. Last start performance, we had a, wow. You know, that that's that's singing the, the, the tune that you're still peaking. Went all the way up to 3.2, brand new PB. So the Snowdens sort of showcase what, they, what this horse is capable of. Best of the day, couldn't fault it. Showed good speed, going 2.2 above through the first section. Probably not even going to have to go anywhere near that, in my view, tomorrow. So that helps the horse a lot as well. It's got sustained capacity. If it just repeats what it did, then this horse isn't going to miss the first three. So that's that's my thoughts with that. When we switch over to Maximal, which is the one that you were just talking yeah. about, Ralphie, also was tremendous from a first-up point of view. Off a little bit more of a break. Is that the golden strategy, though, in terms of preparation? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, we've got to, I've got to have faith in O'Shea that he's got it right. But that was a big ask for the horse, and it was a big performance, too, going 2.7 above, fifth best of the day. Were, did they have that anticipation that this was going to be that type of race? Probably not, Ralphie. And that's the hard part. I don't feel that that's what they thought was going to happen, but. They did the right thing in terms of bringing up. My view is I do feel that the market has right because if I had to get down and say, who do I back out of those two? Well, I love Nash. and I, <laughs> <laughs> So that's a big big reason to give me serious consideration to consider. But if I ha- had to lock the one out of the other, I'd be going for Huerta. So I reckon the market's got it right. And, and knowing the way you like betting, when there's one you, you gravitate to and you can get the place on side, you will be able to get the place on side with Word of Tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that's an appealing bet for you. It is. And the other one that I wanted to hopefully make sure we touch on is Colding. What does he need, Vince? Yeah. <laughs> he well, needs a we, dry track. Yeah, yeah. And look at what he did last start. It was a fantastic performance all things considered. It was a below benchmark figure, but 15 lengths below benchmark first speed. Beautiful move in the mid-race of roughly 15 lengths. What was important then was I wanted to see a good finish, and there it was, plus 5.5 last 400. That clearly indicates, even though the horses are all the racing, and this horse is rock hard fit, it's been crying out for the good track, as you said, Ralphie, and now it's all about we're here. That was a beautiful tune-up run. And should I remind everybody, you only got to look at what it did in 2020 over 2,000 metres. I don't know if we've ever seen the best of this horse up to this distance range. Just go and have a look at that run for anybody that wants to remind themselves. October 2020, went through the first section, four and a half below benchmark, between the eight and the four, plus 5.2. Last 400, unbelievable, 8.6. Now, Ralphie... This race shape, no matter what speed they go, the horse is going to be suited. 
It doesn't matter. That win Fast, was over yep. a villious and fierce impact. That's real form. So if the market's got anything wrong, <laughs> for the guys that like to back multiple runners, yep. only a fool would not take some money at the $31. Seriously. That's cool. The horse would be single-digit odds. And I'm not saying it should be pressing the favourite, yep. but it should be in between them. A beautiful option for trifectas as well. I'll ask you about one too that uh, just, again, we're looking for a left fielder for, for some trifecta value before we move on. Creed Harris, can he put it together tomorrow? <sighs> oh, wow. This horse. That... Bottom was track, bottom was track. Then we yeah. saw a little bit last start. I've got to remove my memories of yeah. sometimes you get singed, right? <laughs> so just push yes. that to the side and have that open mind. Okay. And yes, and I do have an open mind, and I did look at this horse with the correct perspective. And the view is this: it's a simple one. The question you have to ask yourself is: it's had that one attempt at two thousand meters, and it was at Ramwick on the twenty-sixth of two thousand and twenty-one. Unfortunately, it was a horrible race shape, nineteen point one. The horse was superb in the mid race, five point seven, three point one below. Now, if you just want to do a, a a ready reckoner between the two, because this is what we look at long odds, because yep. one's 20 and the other one's, uh, what is 40. it? Yeah, 40, right? If you put a template, Colding's far superior. Went 15 lengths faster, still had a stronger 800. So that's the first thing. And then I looked at the run at 1,800. Similar speed. Still couldn't match Colding's over last, overall last 400. For that reason, I said, no elevation for you. I don't believe you're going to be as good at 2,000. Good luck. <laughs> or 2200 nice for this case no no nice and simple beautiful all right let's move on because uh that, that's that's a thin race from a punning perspective but you, you made, made the case there for colding crazy if you left out it at 26 dollars the uh the the other group one on the program tomorrow is the uh, is the jj atkins but it's a mile for two-year-olds always a bit of a headache unless there's a real emerging star quick backup too is always a bit of a query with with young horses and political debate and sharp and smart are the two favorites for the race on the quick backup there she's a belter though that was dynamic late speed when it won a fortnight ago so that rounds off the three main chances in the market yeah okay so if the favorite is uh, is it political debate or was oh, it well sharp and smart sort of low fours political debate mid fours and a bit, okay. bit wider to she's a belter they dominate the market those three so all we can look at is Okay, we've got a performance here. The run of 0.9 below benchmark, 12th best of the day, is marginally uh, better than the New Zealand performance, so that's where we sit. The way it closed, I can't fold it, really. It was good speed through the first section, 3.7 below, went above benchmark between the 8 and the 400. There was that little bit of a dip between the 4 and the 2, and that's probably the only area that you can zone in and say, okay, you lost 2.4 there. So there is this possibility that, that run could have been a, a benchmark positive run and therefore you have that capacity of running benchmarks slightly better and you're hard in the race. The seven-day backup shouldn't hurt the horse realistically given that it wasn't a race where there was overextension through the first section. The next runner, political debate, this horse has had the three starts so from a level of exposure, we've got some insight. And what we all we really learn is give me a dry track and I'll produce my best. I feel it's, from a profile point of view, on assessment, there's not a lot between these two horses. 
that they both handle the distance. You've got to look at it, though. Political debate did have to run faster through the first section. In other words, less chance to breathe, to get your flow state and being in that perfect rhythm was more challenging for this horse. So when this horse lost momentum between the four and the two of 2.7, I felt that was more of an impact. So for that reason, I sort of wanted to ensure that this horse was going to sit above the 10, even though I feel they're very, very similar. I just felt that that horse did it a bit tougher, and he's, I don't believe we've fully seen its capability, and the, the drier the better. And what did we learn about She's a Belters for big, big close last 200, uh, yep. back on the, on the dry ground after uh, two heavy track runs for the Snowdens? Well, again, what I liked about this particular performance was I love it when they have to run at a speed. And again, we've got to almost benchmark first section. Hold up. This horse got hampered between the six and the four. Slightly different point of the track. Not as impactful as the four and the two, but still you lost momentum and got the re- but was able to rebound beautifully and produced a strong plus 3.4. It's not going to have any problems at all up to the 1600. Pike is still learning out away from Western Australia. And, of course, when he's fully tuned in, he's going to be as good as any other rider. If it was in Sydney, I'd probably have more confidence. But here at Eagle Farm, I don't know if he's had enough riding to be absolutely ready because that was a bit of a pilot error for me, what happened. And he still won. He might not be able to have that same luck. He's He's got to make sure he does everything right. All right, so there's the three most advantage there, and, and it's pretty much in market order. Moderate conference, if anything changes tomorrow, we'll obviously update you there as far as your further thoughts there. In the last race, well, uh, Najmati, I know you're not a big weight fan, Vince, but I reckon Najmati will be carrying half of Australia's favourite off its uh, fantastic and dynamic win. We set, we put a big sizzlers on her at Caulfield, and then th- six weeks later, she came to play for the Snowdens at Eagle Farm over 1,200 metres, has to go out slightly in distance. Uh, what's your thoughts about it as uh, as the deep favourite? Hard to fault. Yep. First up run at Caulfield, full of merit, seventh best of the day, 0.5 above, went out at beautiful speed, rock solid last 400, 3.6 lengths above. I look at the overall last 800, almost touching plus five combined. So that says to me, okay, good, solid, sustained pressure. A nice indicator. How did you hand yourself up to 1,200? Went out the same speed, Ralphie, which I thought was beautiful. In the mid-race, probably slightly inferior. Lost a couple of lengths between the four and the two when making that turn. Did impact it a little bit, but the acceleration last 400 was all there. Rock solid, plus four. Horse going to love the dry track. First attempt up another 100 metres. Why not? I have to say, hard in the race. Hard in the race. You've got a couple others at uh, double figure odds. Bring the ransom in chain at heart. What's your thoughts there? Okay, bring the ransom. When I looked at this particular runner here, firstly, I just look at the last run at Scone. I, I, just that run was had so much merit, Ralphie. And, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it's worth noting for the punters who have a quick look at their form guide and see slow track, that track didn't play slow. No, no, no. It, it absolutely didn't. Nowhere near it. I mean, raw figures, plus 1.1, Ralphie. How about a G4? Nice. For sure. And and I look at that run there. Good tactical speed first section, 2.4 lengths below benchmark. The rest of the race had to run above benchmark. It was almost the perfect blend. The only thing was, 
and I reckon Nash is going to do a better job here. I don't want to knock that rider, really, but the reality is the horse had a little bit of a taper all the way through from inside the 600 right down into the into the 200-metre mark. He sort of asked the horse to slow around a length. I'm being very picky, yeah. right? But I don't believe Nash is going to do that, right? And this definitely cost the horse from producing at least a one-length better performance, half at the worst, right? So the way I've charged this horse, this horse is ready to go plus one. So even though I've got it pinned at the moment, point one, because that was that last start performance, I'm sitting here saying, well, I'm expecting more. And you're going to turn up hopefully tomorrow and deliver that. Enchanted Howard, second up off uh, off a real heavy track at uh, Randwick, but she's got capability and she was a, a real winner when she was in the zone. Yeah, another very, very good horse as well, Ralphie. The thing here is, is with Chris Lees, we know how good he is when he wants to target a race, particularly if it's first up. Yeah. And that run, really, off a long break, was pretty, pretty good, Ralphie, on very, very wet ground. And that was probably the downside. So here we are, 14 days later. Is that ideal? I'm sitting here saying probably not ideal. And the only thing that keeps it there is it's a runner that's got the capability to match this field. And for that reason, I didn't want to sin bin it. And I'll just round off because I want to ask you about Vangelic. You know, we spoke about Alligator Blood, Wide Barrier, Waterhouse Bot and uh, Tim Clark earlier. Well, uh, if, if this horse bring, brings her A game and, you know, obviously had bottomless tracks in Sydney, a big margin Warwick Farm trial winner uh, coming in, blinkers first time, uh, it's, it's going to run a race, isn't it, mid-teen odds? For sure. The barrier trial at Warwick Farm was, it wasn't a winning trial, but it was very solid, Ralphie. And that's the indicator that they know they got this horse wound up beautifully. Okay, so the challenge is it's first up 1,300 metres. Is that going to be okay for the horse? And if the reading is right from the barrier trial, then my view is yes. It's just going to get down to that the speed in the first section. If there's no overexerting, I have marked it above average, but if they can run, you know, benchmarkish type through the first half of the race, then this horse can be a hard one to run down. All right, we can't thank you enough for buying our preview of the quaddy legs for the Eagle Farm tomorrow. We'll uh, update our thoughts uh, tomorrow morning when uh, when the scra- scratchings are through and we've just got final clarity from uh, Vince's thoughts. And uh, if you're getting the upgraded package, you'll get all the other races as well. But like I said, you won't be missing out on any information when it comes to the quaddy legs, whatever package you've bought. Really appreciate you getting what we do on tomorrow for a year-round carnival.